When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people, and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me, and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I am here today with my friend, Amy Barsky, who is a women's empowerment coach. How are you doing today, Amy? I'm doing so great. I'm actually doing more than great because it's my birthday, so. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Happy birthday. Oh my gosh, I'm so honored that you're spending it with me here. Oh, That's amazing. I'm so excited. You know, I had a very, um, celebratory weekend uh-huh. my birthday falls on a Monday so I was like you right? know what all good that's awesome awesome so you are a women's empowerment coach tell me a little bit about what you do how you got into it because I knew you before you were doing that um yeah so tell me like a little bit about that trajectory and what made you decide to go into it yeah, and, uh, yeah. Well, first off, thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. Uh, like Courtney mentioned, for all who are listening, my name is Amy Barsky and I'm a women's empowerment coach. I have been facilitating women's workshops for, well, workshops in general and, and, and masterclasses and things like that for over five years or so. And it just, it happened to, as I was doing my inner work and going through my own healing journey, I really fell in love with this process that's available to subconsciously reprogram your mind, to go in with positive um, psychology and somatic work and all of the delicious modalities that are available to really retrain your brain and reparent your inner child. And so there are so many women that I have been so blessed to work with um, in these past few years all over the world because I travel and teach as well. Uh, pre-COVID <laughs> and um, and so yeah it's just it's most of the women that I work with are in a place who are feeling anxious depressed overwhelmed feeling like you know what is my life they're in that like trajectory of their life where maybe like that not a midlife crisis but like what am I doing with my life what's my purpose maybe the kids have left off for college or maybe they're in a, a career shift and they're they're you know, they did what they were told to do by society, go to school, get an education, um, get a job, have a family, buy a house, like do those steps, and then you'll be happy. And so they did the steps, and then they found that there wasn't happiness at the end of the rainbow. And they're like, well, what the heck, mm-hmm. right? And so a lot of people who are searching for something more to life than what is, because they're unhappy, unfulfilled, um, it turns out that anxiety and depression and overwhelm is a symptom of inner child wounds, past trauma, um, belief systems of the subconscious mind that are replaying over and over and over again. And so this is where I found myself on a very similar journey. 
uh, oh my gosh, over a decade ago, I started diving into my own inner work because I lost my brother fairly quickly. In 2004, he was diagnosed with cancer on January 1st and he passed 52 days later. It was just like this big, like it was, it was really, I couldn't even like, like I had no concept or no, I couldn't grasp like what was actually happening. And so after I started grieving and like going through things and just asking questions, like, what is this about? What is life about? What is death about? Because we also don't celebrate death. We look at it as such a bad thing where, you know, we all have our different opinions about it. However, you know, birth and death get life gets to be celebrated. And I noticed that I was not celebrating my life at all. I was definitely playing the victim game for a long time. I was blaming my parents, blaming my childhood, blaming my paycheck, blaming my job, blaming my partner, like for all the crap that was going wrong in my own life. I was looking outside myself and I was really good at playing the victim. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, when I started to recognize that, that I had the power of free will and choice, which is what I really forgot about. I was started working with a life coach and he really steered me in a, in a, a good direction mm-hmm. to go in. And first was compassion because mm-hmm. it's really um, easy to fall in that victim space. It really is that energetic victim space because you're, you can't see past what you know. Your right. paradigm is so narrow. I only know what I know until I know something else. And my paradigm was very narrow. And as I started to express and open up and heal and, and go through that journey, it really like, like the lights turned on in my brain. I was like, what? And my heart just started exploding. And I was like, what is this? And I fell in love with the work. And I, I said, I have got to start sharing this. And at the time, actually, when you and I met, acro yoga was one of the really blessed modalities to help me open up to trust and communication, something I didn't have within myself to actually ask for what I want and speak up for myself. And I'm a firm believer that everything touches everything. And because I was able to do that within acro yoga community, I was able to start, start to do mm-hmm. that with relationships and, and with, you know, my, my, in the places I was working in and things like that. And I was like, wow, this is really powerful. So at that time I was teaching Pilates and yoga and I was, again, I was doing my own inner work and reading books and all the things. And so I started to infuse like what I was learning in my classes. I just was sharing, Hey, this is what I'm going through. Hey, this is what's up for me. And I had a lot of people asking me, are, are you a life coach? Do, do you do this? For, and I said, well, no. <laughs> and, then I, and then the more people asked, I was like, well, wait a minute. You know, it starts showing up a lot. I was like, maybe, I, maybe this should be something that, because it felt really good. And yeah. because my, my body, um, like soma means body. So my somatic system was really ignited when people would ask that type of question that I was like, oh, I need to follow this fire. And so I started following the fire and started fueling it with like more master, like I'm in master, master classes and really getting, getting trauma informed and breath work and, and a lot of modalities that really allowed um, me to be who I am today within my own journey to embody. Cause you know, there's people that walk the walk or that walk the walk and they really stand powerfully in the, in who they are. And there's people that just talk about it, but don't actually practice it. And so I'm a firm believer to myself. And that's something that my coach teaches me. He's like, you cannot take your clients where you're not willing to go. And so I've done some really deep stuff um, for the sake of not just my own journey, but so that I can hold that space for clients who are in a really dark place. And so that's kind of how I, in a nutshell, that's kind of how I got to where I am today. 
That's amazing. Well, they say uh, research is me search. So that, that's yeah, I love that. Yeah. And if it's hysterical, it's historical. Exactly. Yeah. If it's hysterical, if it triggers you and your throat tightens up and your tears and your eyes fill up and your heart starts to pump really fast, it's historical. If you get yeah. that hysterical, like uh, something there, guess it's a gift. It gets Absolutely. To be Absolutely. Like that, so, so yeah, I am. I, I love what you said about um, the you know that it's so easy to fall into the victimization, um, and that that wasn't serving you is really what it sounds like you realized. Um, <laughs> and so you know you went on this process and this journey of you know true uh, empowerment. You know, so as as an antithetical to or an antidote to uh, you know victimization. And then to help other people to walk into that space. And I think that is just so, it's so beautiful and so powerful because I think we're in a society currently where it is very trendy to be a victim, um, you know, and uh, people really do embrace that. You know, you see it all throughout the media. You see, there's a lot of messaging for victimhood and it doesn't really make people happy, right? It's easier, it might be easier, it's instant, like at the onset, you know, at first it might seem easier, but it's a, it's not. So I, all this to say, I'm curious what your uh, definition of empowerment is. What does empowerment mean to you? And what does it mean when you work with people? I love that. That's a really great question. Empowerment to me is, God, I feel like I was on pageant or something there for a moment. <laughs> yeah. But I really loved, I love the way it, you said it with such grace and ease of like, like, what is that to you? Because it really is different for everybody. So for me, it's about owning your voice. It's really about stepping back into your power because we all have it. Okay. So imagine I'll use this analogy because my, I love this analogy. Okay. So an, an egg corn, Courtney, yeah. what does an egg corn become? What does an egg corn become? A tree? Become, yeah. So yeah. What, do you know what kind of tree? A pine tree, right? Oak tree. Oak tree, really? Yeah. Acorn becomes an oak tree. So it's a little tiny seedling that gets yeah. nestled in the ground. Yeah. And then it, it, it roots in and then builds its roots and then becomes an oak tree. Now, if you look at an oak tree, you're like, powerful. Wow. You're like, holy crap, this is a mighty oak tree, right? Yeah. And so an acorn is not going to become an orange tree. It's not going to become a flower. It's not going to become a bird. It's going to become an oak tree because this acorn has a blueprint in its seedling mm -hmm. that can only become an oak tree. Yep. Well, the human design also has that. When yeah. the egg meets the sperm, your soul has a blueprint. And in that blueprint is your design to who you're meant to be. So we'll call that your true self for a moment, right? This is the true self. So this true self is this gorgeous, gorgeous, beautiful white canvas that's so ready to emerge into the world. And then it's born, right? It comes out the you know, the women's belly, or if it's C-section or, you know, anyway, the, the person is born into this white canvas and pure, whole, complete, excited, curious, and ready for the world. And then, so here's this pure person and all of a sudden environment, culture, religion, money, communication, blah, 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 trauma, just that, you know, it gets start to pile on top. So this, this little seedling becomes um, less ignited. The light gets dimmed by all the masks that you're now covered by and you're like, I can't even see where I am anymore, right? And so we'll call that your false self. So we have the true self and the false self has everything on top of it. And so this true self with this blueprint that is clearly there to evolve wants to come through. 
So whenever you get that knock on your heart of like, oh, intuition or oh, gut guidance system, I should go there. That is your true self saying, go this way, go this way. And your false self, which is your ego wants to no, this is safe over here. This is what we know. This is, this is easy. This is victim. This is, you know, not taking responsibility and all the things, mm-hmm. but your soul will almost always win almost always because nothing is absolute. And what I mean by that is you'll maybe feel symptoms of anxiety or depression or overwhelm, or maybe you'll turn towards something as your coping mechanism, like alcohol or drugs or porn or Netflix or social media or something else to numb you out. Right. And so your soul is on this journey of the blueprint to, to have the full experience and your false self is there hiding, you know, trying to keep you safe. And it's, it's a very natural thing because it's the human design, right? If you look at the primal days, we're meant to stay safe. We hide in the cave from the bears and the lions and the tigers. Survival. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll have that. It's unfortunate, but that still exists as well. But in the current world, it looks like trauma. Maybe you went through divorce. Maybe you're bullied on the playground. Maybe your teacher told you you're so stupid. Why didn't you get an A on that? You know, or your coach said, oh my God, you, you totally made us lose the baseball game or the whatever, right? And all of a sudden you're just like, oh, and all these things. Yeah. And so in that space of, of feeling like a victim, um, you start to shut down or maybe you start to lash out. You go one or the other sometimes. Right. And so, yeah, empowerment is really about taking all, taking back your power, standing up for yourself and taking ownership of your life. And you can do that by choice mm-hmm. and you can do it in an instant as soon as you become aware. Because in my experience, I can give you a key and you can, un- you can take that key and open the door and that will give you this awareness of like, oh my God, you're yeah. so right. When I was a child, this happened or I, you know, I had a really bad heartbreak or an experience that you went through. But if you don't actually open the door and then actually walk through it to make a different choice for yourself, right. then nothing actually changes. Yeah. <laughs> so you the know, is actually to step in and step up and say yes to your blueprint that's truly there for you to fully flourish in this lifetime. We're stuck in survival brain half the time, most of the time. So many people walking around in survival brain, just trying to get by. And that's not what we're meant for. We're meant to thrive. We really, really are. So yeah, absolutely. That's an yeah. empowerment for me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's beautiful. And yeah, it is uh, really easy to know something, but then to do something about it is a complete. Ah, yes. To know something and do something, two different paths, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, uh, you work specifically with women. Do you work with a specific uh, age range or, and what made you decide you wanted to work with women specifically? You know, for my first few years in coaching, I, I've had male clients. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't just something on my heart would kept saying that's just kind of what kept showing up for me. So I was saying yes to those beautiful opportunities. Yeah. And so almost most of my clients these days are generally women who are in that transitional space. They're like, I know there's something more to life. And I don't, I don't know if it's fair to put an age on it, but if I were to look at my client roster of, of, of past, present and previous client, or yeah, that <laughs> um, <laughs> probably around like 30 to 45, maybe I think my oldest client was maybe in her mid fifties. So okay. yeah, it fluxes. The transition women, stage. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, because they're feeling this feeling of like anxiety or overwhelm or, or I'm so frustrated in life and I'm not getting where I want to go. There's right. something blocking them. Right. There's, there's, there's this block. 
And again, that's the symptom that shows up. But underneath that is usually all those other stories. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I don't know how I'm alone in the world. Yeah. So again, it's about owning, owning your experiences because when you own the experiences you've had, you get yourself out of victim state. Right. Cause then you don't say, Oh, it happened to me. No. It happened for me and through me with me. And as me, as I'm evolving in this blueprint of my, my seedling growing up to evolve. Yeah, absolutely. How has the past, uh, the past year and a half has been interesting <laughs> for a lot of people. Um, and you were saying like you used to travel and do, you know, more like speaking that kind of and group. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. So how has this past year and a half shifted a bit, both in terms of the work that you're doing and the modality of that work, and also in the uh, experiences of your clients and, you know, what's coming up for them? Well, uh, that again, really, really great question. And especially like you said, this past year and a half, um, in my experience, first off, as much as this whole experience has been traumatizing to many, many, many people, including myself, there were moments where I went, fell back into my state of depression, my anxiety. And that's kind of where my journey, my symptoms were that. My symptoms were anxiety and depression, cycling, 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 couldn't get myself out. I was in a toxic marriage. I was in toxic jobs, just trying to pay bills. And this was it back in 2012, but I could see how in this past year, some of that stuff would come back up because you felt trapped. I felt trapped, sure. you know, I, and, and that feeling of feeling trapped in that toxic relationship and the toxic life that I was living kind of brought up the same triggers of like, oh my God, you know? Uh, however, for me, there has been so many gifts in this experience because I have, thank God for social media, thank God for platforms like Zoom and other outlets to, I mean, I have clients now all over the world, Amazing. all over the world because of this experience. So as much as there's a lot of downside to this experience, there's a lot for me in my experience. It has allowed me to really step more powerfully into who I am and my mission and my message in the world yeah. to help me make a bigger impact. Um, as far as my clients go, uh, yeah, really working and helping them with basic tools around helping through anxiety attacks, panic attacks, um, working through the depression state of the mind, because it really is a state, it's a state of mind. It's all a state of mind. And um, it's been really um, humbling to say the least to be able to hold that space for these incredible humans who are reaching out for it. Because I think that alone, to ask for help, something I struggled with for a long time. Because my story was, I'm alone in the world, no one will understand, understand me. No one will ever get what I'm going through. They will never understand it. So I, I chose to shut down. And it's like when you give yourself that gift of just asking for support, you so many things can open up. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. And when you were saying about like the anxiety and the depression, I think, you know, you talked a little bit about trauma as being one of the things that has such a heavy impact and we are experiencing a collective trauma and that's very real. Um, you know, I, I know, I know that for myself and I'm an empathic people, which women have a higher tendency to be empathic. Um, they feel it even more. So, yeah. you know, that collective. I feel like, you know, Right now in our culture, trauma is like a buzzword going on. Yeah. It feels like a buzzword. Yeah. And so just, just for those who are listening to really clarify what is trauma. Trauma is too much, too fast, too soon. 
It's an experience. So like COVID, oh my God, shut down, lockdown, stay at home. It's too much, too fast, too soon, where your nervous system doesn't know how to respond to it. And so when you shut down, you get infused by this jolt of emotions and then you start to make decisions. Right. You start to make decisions about yourself. You start to make decisions about the world. You start to make decisions about the experiences that you're in. And that's why like, I've been really fortunate to work with couples through this experience because they were like at each other's throat, right? They weren't able to communicate clearly. They weren't able to really hear each other because you're just all up in each other's space. And you're just like, ah, right? And so when you have this sense of trauma too much, too fast, too soon, your, 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 like your, your system, your nervous system goes into like freak out mode. Um, You can't, yes, fight or flight, ease your peace. Those are the four choices generally. Um, and then you don't, it's like, I don't know what to do with myself. And so if you don't have tools to regulate your system, your system stays in hyper mode or hypo mode, which is high or low out of your tolerance of your window. Like say you have a window here, it's somewhere out of it and you can't get yourself back in. And so that's where I get to share really incredible tools to get yourself back into that space of like parasympathetic. I can breathe. I can self-soothe. A lot of times it's, again, it's a lot of inner child stuff. It's reparenting because often in partnership, you are looking for um, specific things in your partner. Yeah, You're looking for what you didn't get as a child. It's called reparation in psychology. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So Fancy you, word. Yes. Yeah. So you actually recreate the dynamics so that you exactly. can repair. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's very natural. It's very normal. Yes. It's not to say it's totally. good or bad or indifferent, but once you know your attachment style to yes. understand that about yourself, once you understand um, you know, the relationship that you're in. And if you can work together with your partner to, because they probably have the same thing. Yeah. So if that partnership can be open to the communication and the healing around that you're golden. It's yeah. when, it's when that doesn't, when that's not available on both sides, that it doesn't. And why don't you address when you're saying it, I love when you're talking about like a too much, too fast, too soon, uh, with trauma, trauma also is, uh, you know, this goes back to when you're talking about like ownership trauma, it's not the same for everyone. So the two people can have the exact same experience and one person isn't traumatized by it and the other person is. So it's really about how you internalize that experience. You know, yes. so for one person, it might not be too much too fast, too soon. It's like, okay, bring it on. For the other person, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't deal, you know? So, and you that's so on point there. That is so, and that also comes back to the window of tolerance, how you learned how to tolerate because there's healthy stress in life. There's healthy stressors that are really good that we need to navigate through experience like, you know, conflict and things like that. And if we don't have that information or if our parents dealt with things differently, then you're exactly right. We could be walking down the street together and you see a snake and you're like, oh my God, that snake's so cute. I'm like, ah, ah, yeah, right? and that's me too. <laughs> not right. a snake man. Snake and spiders are not my thing. Yeah. Right. So you're, you're absolutely right. Like we can't, and that's why I think it's so important. Um, if you know someone who has experienced trauma or perhaps they're having a, a, a trigger or, you know what I mean? An experience when you're with them to not judge them. Right. To just ask, hey, how can I support you right now? Is there anything I can do for you right now? Don't ju- oh, what are you afraid of that for? You know, it's like there's no room for judgment. I'm, in my opinion, like one of my uh, mentors, my coaches, said to me, it's a principle that I will, I will do my best to live by for the rest of my life. Make no one wrong for their feelings, for their choices. Never make anyone wrong. 
see it from their perspective the best you can. Doesn't mean you have to agree. Right. But do your best to see it from their eyes, from their window, from their lens without yeah. making them wrong. And you will always find yourself in a, um, hopefully a healthy dynamic of like, you know, conversation and, and compassion. Interesting. I think that that's a, that's very interesting. I mean, I, I definitely think people do do wrong things that are wrong. Um, and I think, you know, as human beings, we, we can have a judgment and discernment, but if you're, uh, that that's not necessarily that you could, I think there's a distinction between like having him compassion for somebody and where they've come from and helping them, you know, certainly if somebody in your position holding the space uh, for them to see their perspective and why they made those choices and if it was an empowering choice for them uh, and yeah. for their loved ones uh, versus, you know, whether or not it was the right choice because we, we do make mistakes. We are fallible. We're human, right? So, right. yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I think that that, that is interesting. But from human to human, it's not, yeah. in my opinion, there's your work, there's my work, and there's God's work. Yeah, sure. So if, if you know what I mean, like. No, I, I, I get somewhere. what you're saying. Now I get where you're going. Yeah. With it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. And that the judgment is reserved for the higher power. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, for like, sure. Like, who am I? Because I'm human and I'm not perfect. So who am right. I to judge someone else to make a decision that they had, to, you know, they got to do that for their like you said, yeah, no, I, yes, I absolutely yeah. get that. So this actually is great, a great lead into my next question. Um, so you are an empowerment coach and you do a lot of very heavy, deep work. What would be a reason why or why not why somebody would come see you um, as opposed to therapy? Can you I talk about that? I love that question. <laughs> okay, so as a former um, uh, patient of therapists, I've, went, <laughs> I've been to a few Okay. There's amazing things about therapy because talk therapy is very useful. Sure. And, and so the difference we, and, and again, I can only speak from my experience. The difference between therapy and coaching is generally this in therapy, which I did for several years, it was talk, right? In coaching, my coaches that I worked with gave me actual tools, modalities, and ways to help me work through my own stuff. So basically I'm, I'm, you know, when you work with me, for, depending on like what's going on in your life. Like I, I basically work myself out of a job at some point. Like therapists, you just pay them per session and you're just going there for five years or 10 years. Yeah. But ideally, I want to say here, get out of the nest. Like yeah. go, you, you've got the tools, you know? And they, I have clients that come back for like a maintenance, like we'll just do like a tune-up or maybe something tra you know, traumatic came up and they need to work through it. But ideally like you're leaving with tools that you can use for the rest of your life. Like I have stuff in my toolbox right now from, from what I've been through and, and now what I've mastered as a coach, like that I get to use anytime I want. And so I think, you know, it depends on your level of evolution too, because I also am a believer of like, I'll probably have a coach for the rest of my life to some degree or another. Maybe I go through like three months out of the year and I go and I, you know, get myself back and and just fire it up. It depends on, you know, what's happening in life. But ideally, if you want a quantum leap, which is, you know, a big impact in a short amount of time, do coaching. If you want talk therapy, awesome. Do it. There's, it's, there's no right or wrong. Sure. Sure. You yeah. know, so that's, that's my yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like if you want to do deep inner work, yeah. get coaching. If you really want to um, move through the limiting beliefs, 
that are in your mind, if you want to reprogram your mind, if you want to get in touch with your emotions, if you want to clear out the past of why do I keep attracting the same people over and over, all I want is a healthy relationship and I keep attracting ass, can I say assholes, you know, jerks, <laughs> you know, I keep attracting people or, or women who, whatever, you know, and it's not healthy. There's something cyclical there that you can clearly see the pattern. Sure. Generally, therapy is not going to help you because they're not going to help you see why you're making the choices you're making. They're not going to help you read reprogram the brain they're just going to talk about it so you know right <laughs> there's that yeah yeah I and I, I very much experienced that I always say with therapy I get stuck in like analysis paralysis and, yes yeah. you're always like what yeah exactly, exactly. yeah so not, not to say there isn't a time and place for therapy you know yeah. and for certain people that it's the best place for Absolutely. them but yeah. But for some of us who are very analytical and uh, who are really good talkers, <laughs> I can get caught in that cycle for a long time. And then yeah. it's not productive. You're not taking action. And mm -hmm. it, it sounds like that's what you really guide people yeah. to. Because what happens is, like, so your emotions have two, two phases, right? There's the release phase and there's the recycle phase. And mm -hmm. so often when you start to see, like say you start to get upset about something yeah. and something triggers you. Well, first off, the trigger is a treasure. It's right there for you to look at and it's medicine. And so like open the door and see what's there. And so often we might open the door and peek inside. So we let the emotion come up a little bit and then we get mad at ourselves. Why am I still feeling this way? Why are I over that breakup? Why did I get that raise? Why didn't, and so we, we the emotion gets there but it doesn't get fully released because the inner critic or the judge Judy or the something in the mind starts to you know, da, 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 and we, we suppress it back down. Right. So if you actually give yourself a, so this is what I do with my clients, a somatic release, not just the crying, but other ways to release it from your physical being, yeah. then you'll find that because the bot, okay. So here's the interesting part. You might know this, but your brain is so powerful. Your brain can delete, distort, and disorganize and reorganize your thoughts over and over oh. and over again. However, your physical body is a living library of every experience. The body there you go. Issues in the tissues, right? And so when you give yourself a somatic release, which is a physical thing that happens, then you're, you can start to move that energy through the body. So it doesn't show up. Yeah, start to get smaller and smaller and smaller until it's fully dissolved. Like I can sit here and talk about my rape experience when I was 19 at a fraternity without crying and breaking down and getting emotionally triggered by the experience right. because I've done right. my healing work around it. Sure. I can talk about my divorce and how there was abuse in that relationship emotionally. And, you know, I can talk about my childhood and how there was physical abuse in my household and not have this big emotional breakdown because I've done my inner healing and I've accepted, I've come to a space of acceptance that this is the experiences that my soul was on the journey and signed up for in the blueprint. And here I am today speaking into it so that I can help others get through theirs. Oh, I love that. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Totally. So this is a little uh, tidbit that I, I want to share with you. You probably know this already, but uh, yeah, so it's totally related to that. As an actress, um, you know, there's lots of different techniques for acting and I did that for a long time. And if I had to do a scene where, you know, certainly if I had to cry or laugh, those are two really difficult things to reenact. Um, they really are. People think like when I say that about laughing, but to do a genuine like full body laugh like that's actually not easy to fake um and when you do people know the audience can feel that you know <laughs> um 
So what I would, would do though, because we do carry so many memories in our, our muscles, I would force myself to like make the facial expressions, like I'm going to laugh, you know, like, and I would start to feel like something was funny. Like I would feel that joy bubble up and I would do the opposite. Like if I had to cry, I would just, you know, make that face and I would literally get sad and tears would start to fall. Um, so the, and so those two are, you know, it's very related because it shows how much, you know, we store in our muscles, uh, the muscle memory. Um, and then the one other thing, and this is also an acting related story. Um, I did, I played Helen Keller on stage in New York. And uh, for most actors, it's a really difficult exercise of sensory deprivation uh, to really imagine what that's like. Um, for me, it was allowing myself to relive the trauma because I spent so much of my childhood with a patch over my sighted eye and I didn't get hearing aids till I was almost six years old, right? Mm -hmm. So I was wow. essentially blind and deaf every other day of my childhood. And oh, I've spent so much of my life, you know, suppressing that I'm fine, I'm okay, you know? And I mean, it's just not, you don't wanna walk around with that, like, you know, holding that, that's just heavy, you know? Uh, I've done so much to overcome and to, you know, to function and I'm really proud of that. And so why am I going to walk around holding on to that, you know, um, but to allow myself to go there and to be that vulnerable, to show those parts of myself, they were parts of my, you know, of my trauma, of my traumatic childhood. And uh, so uh, the, there were parts of uh, the process where I would have to throw tantrums, you know, Helen Keller was always throwing tantrums. Um, and I was too as a kid. <laughs> and, so, um, and it was so incredibly cathartic. That was better than any therapy. And I was- And you gave yourself some somatic releases. That's what it's all about. Yeah, that, that's why I brought it up because it was, you that's know, I, I can really relate to it. I really, it was, yeah. I, it was so powerful. And, and I was in therapy at the time and that was more like productive for me. Um, because I am also a very oh my God. person, you know. Did you tell your therapist that? Did you tell your therapist? Hey, look, I just have this thing. Can we do that again in, in therapy? <laughs> I did, actually. Um, I told her. And she, she, you know, I mean, she she understood, though, because she knew I was a kinesthetic person. Oh, and she yeah. also understood the somatic release. You know, she, um, and also, I mean, we, we talked so much about it that it yeah. was like, Okay, yeah. That, she, well, yeah, she was respectful. What I want to share is that it's unfortunate when you become, when you go to school to become a therapist, you yeah. are a licensed therapist to only do what you are licensed to. You can't yes. bring in any modalities. Even if you learn them, you cannot bring them into session under the state of contractual connect, whatever state you're in, because every state's different. Yeah. But um, you, you can only do what you're licensed to do. Even if you learn, oh, I'm a master at breathwork. I'm a master at somatic release. It doesn't matter. If, you're, if you are a practicing licensed therapist, you cannot bring those modalities into your sessions with clients. That is, that's very interesting and really unfortunate. Yeah, because it there is. are so many and different people respond to different things. Like there's like uh, art therapy can be incredibly powerful. Voice therapy. And that, and so here, this is another question for you that I'm really curious about because for me uh, personally, part of that whole journey, a lot of what I was struggling with was owning voice. Um, mm -hmm. It was really, really hard for me. I remember uh, my acting teacher used to make me do this exercise where I would have to say, I have a right to be angry because I couldn't express anger in any scene. I, I would go to crying. I would go to sadness, to tears, yep. but I had a really uh -huh. hard time. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm really curious when you're working with people 
uh, and owning their voice. And what are some really common uh, struggles and blocks you see? With- well, at first I want to speak into kind of like why that happens. Yeah, it, it happens more for women than men. It does. We, go, we, we turn towards sadness versus anger because we feel that anger is um, unacceptable and it's scary. And it, it, sometimes it's scary for men too. Sure. Um, and so with that being said, I want to also kind of just rewind just a tiny bit when you said, you know, as a child, I was strong. I was, you know, I was fine. I put the patch on. I just said I was fine. And that was you there's there's this beautiful balance between owning your feelings and allowing them and then dismissing them whether they were dismissed by yourself or by somebody else mm-hmm. and so often women uh and and women especially like you know be strong don't cry bucker up you know all the things we're told to dismiss our feelings we're we we not not told we're taught we're taught to dismiss our feelings we're taught that it's not okay to cry and and now we'll flip it it's more for boys than it is for girls. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a whole, um, there's a really powerful book called um, How to Improve Your Marriage Without Talking About It. Or no, yeah, how, how to Improve Your Marriage Without Talking About It. And it's about understanding the shame that men carry and the anxiety that women carry. Mm-hmm. And if you look at babies, there's a whole study around babies. You can look at a baby girl and she'll just be like, ah, ah, cool, cool, right? And she just can stare and gaze because right. she's comfortable. If you do that to a boy, he'll, he'll be in it for a moment and then he'll be like, he'll look away. He'll close his eyes. It's just, it's Can't something. It's, biology. It's, <laughs> it's, right? Thank you, biology. Right? And so my point is this, we come to a space and place where the built up, the pent up anger is like a volcano and it just wants to explode. And that's where you get to give yourself that permission. Like I teach my clients how to have a safe tantrum, mm-hmm. how to have a safe um, anger release process. And what I mean by safe is mean they feel safe to do so in their own bodies. Right. And for some, it's it's starting out very small because if I say, hey, go do a primal scream and they can't tap into that voice because maybe they were told not to scream as a kid or maybe they were so much surrounded by screaming that they said, I'm never going to scream. I'm never going to shout. I'm never going to argue, right? So right. depending again, what their background is, yeah. where they come from. So and, is- their, and their own personal biology and you know their makeup, their psychology, all of that, yeah. All of it, all of it. So yeah, so- you know, we have these emotions and they, they are there to be expressed. And we live in a culture where it's not safe to express your emotions. Yeah. And so, you know, just working with individuals who are feeling stuck in owning their voice, it's really about healing the inner child and asking that inner child where, where like we can tap into different, um, different ways of going in and, and asking like there's parts work. Parts work is like, um, we have a part when you said, oh, a part of me wants to go out and go to the party and a part of me just hang out on the couch and relax and watch Netflix. Notice I'm saying the word part because there are two different places in your brain that are having a conversation in your living room of what to do. Mm-hmm. And when those two parts are talking, your higher self is not talking. So how can I tap into my higher self of what I truly want and let my parts take a break and sit in the chorus? They're there. They're part of life. And when you can accept the parts are there, then yeah. you can find an easier way to go. Okay. What is really true for me? Can I sit in a moment and be with my breath? And be like, what do I really want to do? And you can just ask your, your, your whole self, your perfect and whole yet, in, yet not done yet self, right? Cause we're always on that journey. And so when it comes to emotions, you know, I'm feeling really angry. Well, let your anger self be heard. Let your angry self come through. So the emotion again, release or recycle, where do you want to put it? Let's release it all the way. 
so that it's finally heard and seen and 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 exposed in a healthy way to go okay cool now i feel better right. i feel um i feel safe yeah a lot of women don't feel safe in their own skin we don't feel safe and comfortable to actually speak up for ourselves and so healing that inner child and letting her know that she is safe and being with it and and really allowing her to share more and more and more of what is really present for you. And that comes with like learning nonviolent communication is one of my favorite tools to use because it, 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 it takes away the, the blame and the pointing the finger. Mm -hmm. you know? And so, so it's really about understanding how to communicate with yourself and accept all aspects and all parts of yourself. And then being able to share that with people that are important to you in your life. Amazing. Yeah. It's a, Beautiful. Did I answer the question? I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> so the question was if there were uh, like uh, it blocks that come up that you see that are common uh, for people in, uh, and especially women in, in owning their voice. I think yeah. the common the common block is usually in relationship. I don't know how to ask my partner what I need. I don't know how to express to my partner what's important to me. Right. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid they're going to leave me. I'm afraid of abandonment. I'm afraid they're not going to understand me. And so giving them the tools and, and the learnings and the teachings to clear out where that came from first off, and then declaring something new for themselves going forward. Like, what do you now, what do you really want for yourself and start to practice that? And I say the word practice because it's so important. It's like saying, um, uh, Courtney, when you started acro yoga, when you very first started, were you, were you as good as you are now? No. Well, no. I haven't done it in a while, so maybe, but. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But my point is this, it takes practice with anything. Yes. It takes practice. So don't expect to practice something one time and then expect it to like everything to, you know, just be in unicorns and rainbow land. Right. right. It does practice. And that's why you get to really have so much compassion with yourself as you're moving through it. And it does get easier with practice. And so it's never to say that first off, there's never like, oh, you're gonna, I have to fix myself. I'm broken. You're no one is ever broken. No one is, I'm not broken. You're not broken. I don't care what you've been through in life. You are not broken. You might be a little bent. You might have a couple bruises, a couple scars, but you are not broken. So there's never something to fix. And that's really important that we understand that as humans, that we're not broken. Cause I know after my rape, I thought I was broken. I'm like, no one will ever love me again. No one will ever understand this. Like I was just, I felt so broken and shamed and, and riddled with guilt. Right. And so to really understand that there is no such thing as broken, you know? And so um, my point is that when, when you practice it, it's never to say that it's not going to happen again. Or it's not going to get triggered again. And you're not going to feel that way again. But now you have tools and you know how to move through it. You understand where the wound is coming from. Right. So when, so, and I'll give you an example, a, a, a kind of a funny example. Okay. So I'm in the kitchen, I'm in the kitchen with a friend of mine and um, there's, uh, yeah, they have like the container muffins in the plastic container, right? And there's one muffin left. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but my favorite part of the muffin is the top of the muffin, not the bottom, <laughs> like the top of the muffin, right? Yeah. And so- so my friend is in the kitchen. He's standing there. And my other friend- is pointless, by the way. <laughs> Anybody who disagrees is wrong. <laughs> that is my point. Oh my God, Courtney, that's my point. So my other, so I've got two male friends in the kitchen. Now at this time, I was very uncomfortable around men. I wasn't feeling safe around men. I was really, just a lot of stuff was coming out for me. And anyway, so my one friend said to me, hey, do you want to share the muffin? And as a joke, 
I said, sure, but I'll take the top and you can have the bottom. My other friend said, Amy, that is so selfish. Oh my God, that's so, and he said it kind of like in a sarcastic joking manner because that's his personality. Courtney, hysterical. Too much, too fast, too soon. My whole body went, mm. I, my heart was pounding. My throat closed up. My eyes welled up in tears. And I just stood there in front of the package. And I was like, and I, I, I didn't want to bring it to them because I knew it was my stuff. I was, I was in the beginnings of my inner healing. And I was like, oh my God, my body was like shaking. I took a deep breath. I said, guys, I'll be right back. And I walked away. And I had to, I had to come to a space of getting my, my sympathetic system that was freaking out, come right. back to a place of calm, regulation, basically. And I was like, what the f was that? So he triggered because he said the words that my mom used to say when I was a kid. Yeah. When I was five, six, seven, eight, nine years old, my mom would sometimes say, you're so selfish. Stop being so selfish. Share with your brother, share with your sister. And I was like, here I am, this 40 something year old woman going, ah, like having, <laughs> but that's how quick yep. we know it's trauma. When something is triggered that fast and I could go in and go, okay, what is this? Instead of going through a big yelling match with him saying, how dare you? And having a fight with him, right. I took ownership. I took a moment. I stepped my, I removed myself out of the experience mm -hmm. and I got to self-soothe and sit with it and understand what my responsibility was in my own healing. And you took ownership of it. So and it was, let me tell you, it was at that time, it was freaking hard. It was really hard. Yeah. I had to step, I didn't talk to him for a couple of days as I was processing and I was in my stuff. Because when you have, sometimes when you have trauma from such a young age and it yep. happened over and over and over again, yep. it'll take like four to six days to come back to regulation. To get your body back to a regulated state, it can take up to six days sometimes physiologically, not just emotionally. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Wow. And, and that's really interesting. I, I very much can relate to that. The, the, the selfish uh, was, was very much a, uh, you know, buzz for in my family as well. Um, mm. My mom, my sister still pull that, although I don't put up with that one anymore. <laughs> but I used to, and I, it wasn't that long ago where that would send me into very much a you know, uh, the same kind wow. of, uh, yeah. yeah, synthetic response that you had. I would get into that and I would engage and it would be, it's a very toxic. Like, yes. Yep. And it, now and once you have two people in survival brain, mm -hmm. no one can hear anybody. It doesn't matter. You can say it doesn't matter. It doesn't nope. matter. Not, it, it's not productive at all. And that's where you get to learn to set healthy boundaries. Yep. And, say, exactly. and that's why I asked, I said, I'm, I got to step away for a moment. I'll, I'll be back. Right. And I removed myself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I definitely know that now, but it, it wasn't that long ago where the, I would fall right into it. I'm like, this is a trap. <laughs> I'm falling for it. Like, like the, the cheese is right there. And then the, the, the thing comes back on my head. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that is it's interesting. And I think that is uh, interesting. I think women are much more susceptible to that. Uh, you yeah. know, not that men aren't, uh, you know, you can pull that. There are a lot of men who would be triggered by that as well, but yeah, I sure. think it is more common for women. And so it's what it is, why it's one of those buttons that people push because they know that they can manipulate people that way. Um, yeah. And I think it's powerful. Once you can understand it's your birthright to own your voice and to own your choice and the power of free will, when you understand it is your birthright, man, woman, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It is your 
birthright to speak up and say, this is how I'm feeling. Now, how you say it is a different story. So right. be mindful of how you say it. However, it is, it is so important that you don't dismiss your own emotions. And it's interesting. Yeah. Um, this just came up for me right now um, because I was doing some healing around my mom and our relationship. And my mom passed away a year and a half ago. And I was sharing some stuff with my coach. And I said, because my, my healed higher self wanted to be like, well, she's my mom and I love her. And she's like, that's okay. Yeah. But your seven-year-old self, your seven-year-old self gets to be hurt and gets to be expressed now. And so in session, I was allowing my seven-year-old to come forward so that she felt completely seen and heard and supported, regardless of my relationship with my mom now. Like I was allowed to say in that moment, you know, mom, you were a shitty mom in that moment. You didn't stand up for me. You didn't, I didn't, you know, all the things. Right. Help me move through and heal that, that part of me, that seven-year-old that was feeling so left alone and abandoned. And so yeah. it's not about like, oh, well, you know, she's my mom. I have, you get to heal and you get to, you get to um, uh, feel and express those emotions in that space yeah. because that seven-year-old doesn't understand and that's okay. That seven-year-old doesn't have the emotional intelligence that you do now to say, well, it's okay. It's, she's my mom. She did the best she could. Yes, she did. And kind of no, she didn't. In that moment, there was some right. That happened. She's human and she made exactly. mistakes and she has all of her issues, exactly. baggage, and things. Exactly. And she's just doing the best she can with what she has. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it may not have been enough for you in that moment. So, exactly. And yeah. so, allowing now we go back, and that's about a lot of that reparenting is really looking at that without any guilt or shame, just saying, I felt this way at nine years old. I felt this way when I was 16, whatever it was. And yeah. allow those feelings, period without zero judgment, without any guilt or shame. Yeah. And I love that you said we are, we have a birthright to free will. That is absolutely right. Free will is tantamount. Yeah. 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 Uh, that, 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 that's uh, been very much uh, kind of my, uh, you know, very, if I, if I drill nothing else into people this past year and a half and with this podcast, it is to take ownership of your free will. We are all autonomous, sovereign beings with free will. And that is, yeah. we have to exercise it. It is really, really important. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's I love that. very passionate about that. <laughs> I, feel that. And I love that you're passionate about it because this is allowing you to follow your blueprint of like, this is on my soul right now and we're doing it. It's happening. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and, and I think it is really uh, pun intended, but it's freeing for people. Because when you uh, exercise your free will, you, you take on responsibility. So that's a question I'd love to ask you, actually. Um, so when you're working with, you know, your message is to empower, right? So what do you feel that the relationship between, uh, you talked a little bit about the victimhood and getting out of that. What do you feel the relationship between responsibility um, and healing and empowerment is? So one thing I like to say, um, is that first off, whatever happened in regards to like childhood, growing up, decisions and stuff like that, yeah. a lot of it, like you mentioned, uh, oh, you know, your, your parents are holding their baggage and their lineage and all the stuff from behind, right? So first off, a lot of it's not your fault. But some of this, a lot of the stuff may not be your fault. However, it is your responsibility to take yes. back your ownership, to take back your free will, to take back your sovereignty. 
And so to really, to marry that is to say, yeah, you have the power within. You've got to come to a place of acceptance. You get to come to a place of acceptance. Yeah. And when you come to a place of acceptance, you come to that place of freedom that you just spoke about. Mm-hmm. And in that freedom creates space. And so if we're talking about, we're back to the somatic system and the body and how the, it's the living library and, and, all, and um, you know, issues in the tissues. And what was the phrase you said again? Uh, uh, which phrase? Uh, it was like, it, I said issues in the tissues, the body's a living library, and you said something that was a really good one. It was another phrase. Oh, about- no, I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It was really good. My point is this, when you make, when you have um, the mental awareness, right, because you can clear out the mind and retrain the brain, and then you take yourself into the somatic releases of the emotions and the trauma, you make space in the physical body. Right. Because if you're calling in something really powerful for yourself, if you want a bigger life, a better relationship, a better job, a better, you know, health, whatever it is that you're calling in, you're calling in a bigger life. Well, how can a body that's stored with all this stuff from the past have any space to bring in a bigger life? It can't. There's no, it's, it's not like ice cream. It doesn't go in between the crevices, right? <laughs> right. It doesn't work that way. So when you clear out the old crap, you make space for the bigger life you actually want. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think for a lot of people, uh, you know, when we were talking about victimhood, I think victimhood isn't actually easier, but I, I think people have the, you know, delusion that it is yeah. um, mm-hmm. it, because it, it, they, they get to shirk the responsibility if they're a victim. Um, but I think I'm curious about, I think a lot of people, because they do have, they're under that misconception they're afraid of taking a look at things. They're afraid of taking on the responsibility. They're afraid of free agency because then they don't, you know, yeah. with great power comes great responsibility. And a lot of people, the, the responsibility isn't the fun part for most people. Mm-hmm. So what are some suggestions you have for people to find that courage to start doing some of this work, to find a coach like you? Um, yeah. Well, I think it's interesting. Um, there's the, have you ever heard of the drama triangle? I don't think I have. In the drama triangle, you're, so almost always, and I, again, nothing is ever absolute. That's why I use the word almost always. Uh, there is the villain, the victim, and the hero. Mm-hmm. And almost always one person in any conversation is playing one of those parts. Okay. So you get to see which part are you playing? Am I playing the victim, the villain, or the hero? And you can Google it. There's science behind this. It's a really cool mm-hmm. concept. Um, yeah, I did. I've never heard it called the, uh, the trauma hero, but yeah, uh, the trauma trauma yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really but cool. I, I know, I'm familiar with the victim heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So there's so much in, in, uh, information in that, within that itself. I'm like, wow, I've been really showing up as a hero, trying to save everyone, trying to fix everything. And that was me for a long time. I wanted to fix my family. Everyone was effed up and I'm trying to fix everything. That was, and it wasn't healthy. No. Then I wasn't giving myself space and place to heal with, you know, and all, and, and bring my not empowering them. It's enabling. You're, you're always there to save the day. Exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. And so, um, uh, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. So when you understand yourself and then there's developmental stages in life that we go through, and you might be familiar with these, like the five personality patterns and Erickson's theory. Yeah. So if you didn't develop, and I can't remember the exact stage, so forgive me, um, but there's a stage in life in our youth where we develop the skills to trust our own knowing. 
and to, which it, to break it down into um, your gut, your gut, oh, your gut says grab a sweater. It's going to be cold tonight. Your, your gut says grab a protein bar. Your gut says grab the umbrella, right? That's your intuition. Yeah. If you would ask me what my intuition was, you know, five years ago, I'd be like, what the hell is that? Like, it, I didn't understand the language. <clears throat> Excuse me. So listening to your gut, the instinctual GPS that you have in your system. Some of us aren't, aren't taught in the Erickson's theory in the stages of life. We weren't taught that that's a skill set to listen to yourself because perhaps there was someone always in your space saying, do that, do that, do and so, so authority took over and you never developed your own intuition or your own trust or your own GPS to go, oh yeah, I'm, I want to try that or I want to go for that. Mm-hmm. And the internal guidance system never got um, infused with, with uh, encouragement or positivity. And so now, you, now, so now as an adult, you're questioning every choice you make. Oh, should I do that? Should I do that? And you're, there's all this uncertainty because that skill, that stage of life wasn't fully developed. So that's another thing I take clients through. Like what stages in life don't have the full development that's showing up in your adult life now that you keep repeating the same stuff over and over and you're not happy. Yeah, yeah. I, and it is really interesting to see how many adults do not have, uh, are not in touch with their intuition at all today. Oh my God, we're all little kids and stuck in grown-up bodies. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah if, if you get a chance yeah <laughs> google google it's an it was one of the art pieces at, at burning man it's the most beautiful art pieces i've ever seen in my entire life it's a giant sculpture at burning man okay. and it's i think if you can just google like inner child burning man and mm-hmm. it's two adults um like like back to back like mad at each other and they're leaning against but they're mad at each other and they're angry and then and, and it's like it almost looks like a cage like it's made out of wood or something it's almost like a cage and then these so these two adults are facing opposite direction mad at each other hunched, hunched over sitting on the ground with their knees at their chest and these two inner ch- little children inside this the the structure are facing each other putting their hands next to like like putting their hands up to like to hold each other Wow. It's so powerful because these two adults are so mad at each other, but these two little kids are just trying to say, I love you. I love you. Oh. And that's what most of us, and I didn't say us because I'm included. Sure. We are children in these adult bodies who right. are just wanting to be heard and seen and held and loved and all the things that we want. Yeah. Wow. Really that's, yeah. Really beautiful. And yeah, so true. So true. So true. So if you had a, like maybe a handful of things that you would recommend to people who are starting to do this kind of work for themselves, uh, you know, certainly find a coach would be, you know, yeah. in there, but, <laughs> um, but what are some kind of, I, I think sometimes before people can even take that leap, they need to get themselves to a place where they're ready yeah. to make that, to start that journey. So what are some Kind of, do you have any suggestions for people? That's a good question. I mean, honestly, if you have, a, if you, if there's a calling on your heart, that's that alone is is a signal. Like if you're if you're even a little bit curious, just mm-hmm. get on a conversation with me or, or somebody that you feel a connection with, because yeah. there's a ton of amazing amazing coaches in the world right now. Amazing coaches who have incredible incredible hearts and skill sets to help you. So you have if you have a tiny little ember saying, "Huh, I'm curious." Almost every one of us offer like a 45 minute just conversation just to see what it's about, you know, all the things. Cause honestly, you can read books, you can go to workshops, and those are all great. That's what I did. 
you know, sometimes start there, start a really powerful breath workshop, start a powerful self-development, like self-love nurturing workshop and mm -hmm. see what's there for you. Maybe like, like an online workshop or something like that. Because if you find yourself keep craving more, um, then, then you know that you're like being guided, your intuition, your gut's like, oh yeah, let's keep going. Um, but what I do want to preface is that just be mindful that you're not putting a bandaid on something. You know, because it's really easy to get that hit. You're like, oh, that workshop was so good. I'm fixed for the rest of my life. Right. And the next thing you know, a year goes by and you're running into the same exact issue again. And you're like, I had this, you know, I thought I worked through this. Sometimes when you go to those quick one done workshops or something, or you read that book, right. you're not getting to the deepest parts where you're actually healing the wound. You're putting a bandaid on it. You're putting a temporary fix on it. Right. And and so just start to notice your patterns. There's a good one. Start to observe your thoughts. What do you spend your day thinking about? And this is, okay, here's a fun tool I'll, I'll give you all to walk away with. Yeah. Set yourself an alarm in your phone three times a day. Mm -hmm. And in that alarm, maybe it's like at, you know, we'll say like 12 noon, say three o'clock and six o'clock. Because in the morning, okay, so here's another tool. In the morning, your brain is the most malleable. Your brain is the most open and receptive to infinite possibilities. This is neuroscience one-on-one. -on -one. You can go hang yeah, out with your yeah. one-on-one. Subconscious when you're waking yeah, up. When you're exactly. Doing you're moving from serotonin, melatonin to serotonin, right? Unconsciousness to consciousness. You're moving back in. And so you're at the most pure state of being because you're not interrupted by phones and, and kids and jobs and calls and all the things. You're just there in your space. And that is the perfect time to spend some moments, five minutes, 10 minutes to just go in and create your new reality, go mm -hmm. in and dream and dream big and not only dream and visualize, but go through the five senses. What does it taste like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? What does it smell like? Mm -hmm. Because you can play with your mind all day, but if you don't tap into the viscerals of the, of the human experience, right. it's and start to act as if it already is. Right. Act as if you already have that partnership that you're calling in. Act as if that 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 job is already it's it already is because if you already thought of it, it's in your vortex. It's it's in your energy field. It just hasn't hasn't become your reality yet. Why hasn't it become your reality? Something is blocking it. Something in your belief system is standing in your way. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. All the things. But if you can start tapping into the neuroscience of the new neural pathways in the morning, you will start to change the visceral feelings. You'll start to, you'll wake up in a different energy. And then, so the alarms are, so now we're in it. Okay. So right. you get yourself out of bed. You're in this great state. You go to the mirror. You say, I love you. You're amazing. And you talk to your inner child and you, you pump yourself up. You give yourself a high five and you're on with your day. Next right. thing you know, your day is like, beer, beer. all these things are coming at you. And now- 12 noon, your alarm goes off you, and, and you check in. Hmm. Where have I been for the past two hours? In my mind, where have I been? I've been stressed about bills. I've been stressed about my partnership. I've been stressed about the kids. I haven't got my workout in yet, right? So at noon, you get to shift it back into the state you created in the morning. Right. And so you get yourself back in state. Back in state is in I'm safe. I'm here. I'm alive. I'm well. And I'm moving through and reconnecting to what I want in my life, what I'm calling in. You start to embody it. Again, five senses. Right. Now, how long can you stay in that space? Maybe this time it lasts an hour. So now your alarm goes off at three. 
And you go, wow, where, where am I? Where's my mind been? Oh, I saved that space for a good hour or so, but yeah, the last hour and a half. Yeah. I've been kind of going drifting back into my old way and you reignite it again. Cause it's not only setting the neural pathway, it's setting the somatic system as well. Breathe, shake it out, come to a place of like, you know, letting it in, letting it in. And -hmm. then again, you check in again at six o'clock. So you're getting these check-ins throughout the day instead of waiting to the end of the day. Mm. And at the end of the day, if you decide to kind of assess your day, you can freaking high-five yourself for all the awesome check-ins that you've had. (laughs) Yeah. Otherwise, you're like, my day was shitty. I had such a hard day. And you let your whole day spiral because one person, one something cut you off or the email didn't go through or the technology didn't work. And all of a sudden, everything spiraled into a, a, a... shit show <laughs> okay right. right and so you get to stop the shit show as fast as possible yeah and you I get to reassess and get back into that state that higher state of being right so and you're also uh you're also manifesting what you want you're you're literally yeah. creating it through the visualizations which we yeah. you know how powerful that is yeah yeah. And Karen, yeah. you mentioned like, a, yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned like in terms of uh, like workshops and you mentioned self-love. So that's a very trendy buzz, you know, thing right now. I'm curious your thoughts on it, like self-love because I, I, I see the look on your face. So I, I'll elaborate um, <laughs> if that wasn't clear. So I think for me personally, I feel like human beings are, we, we come into this world, like we're designed to love ourselves. I mean, you know, because as we talked about from the beginning, we were talking about survival, right? Uh, we, we put ourselves first. Uh, we are selfish. And I don't mean that pejoratively. I mean that from like, we need to take care of ourselves in order. We can't take care of others until we have taken care of ourselves, you know? So, uh, but, and these are biological survival mechanisms. You know, we are designed to love who we are. You know, they've actually even done these surveys where um, they'll give like, you know, you can trade your whatever, like list your five biggest problems and you can trade with somebody else of their five biggest problems. It's like almost everybody chooses they're going to keep their problems. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know, I, I can totally see why yeah totally because why. they're yours you know you know how to deal with them you're comfortable yeah. familiar you know yeah. um, that yeah. doesn't mean we shouldn't try to fix our problems but but that's just our nature and so yeah we already love ourselves so I think uh there's this movement you know like to where because like I said it's very trendy self-love and um, and I feel like it's not actually empowering. I think it's, uh, you know, it's self-indulgent, it's uh, victimization, it's like, it can be obfuscation of responsibility. That to mm-hmm. me is not self-love. I agree. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think uh, people aren't necessarily all that clear on what self-love mm-hmm. actually really means. And that it's not something, I'm not saying none of us get in, caught up in states of where we have times where we're, you know, feeling uh you know, where we're not kind to ourselves and where we all do that, you know, that that's also very human. Um, but I think that, you know, it is more natural to love ourselves and not to, and I don't know that it's so much that we need to uh, uh, teach ourselves to love ourselves. I think it's more like we need to empower ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. And I think that the, maybe the distinction is, especially for women, yeah. And so many women devout themselves to their spouse and their children that they forget to nourish themselves. Mm-hmm. And so for that, that's something when I'm working with, with a client who is 
learning to fill up her own cup again, learning to self-nurture, self-soothe, really. I'm not talking about go shop and, you know, go to your nails. Yeah, right. That's all nice too. Like, you know, retail therapy. We need band-aid. those too. But it's a band-aid, right? Those are band-aids. Those are, again, those are quick fixes. Self-love is starting to accept all aspects of yourself. Mm-hmm. Self-love is accepting the fact that maybe you're getting older and now you have gray hair and pimples and wrinkles and cellulite and all the all the judgments that we put on ourselves um self-love is coming to an acceptance of what was from your past so you can live in your present and not from your past self-love is giving you the tools to heal your inner child to heal the um the emotional trauma that you're carrying around to to come to a place where you can be so compassionate with yourself that you can that uh, that uh, being so compassionate with yourself bleeds out or ripples out into others. Mm-hmm. You know, when I show up to a, a conversation with my partner and, and I'm coming at it with blazing guns, I'm not going to get anywhere. Right. But if I am so in such a state of awareness around my own needs and what's important to me that I can come to him from a place of compassion and a place of, of love, period, because that's what we're born from and made of. Yeah, and there it, it almost is always reciprocated or or received with like, oh my gosh, thank you for sharing that with me. I had no idea you felt that way. Right. But if I start going, man, are you blame? You know, you didn't do the dishes, <laughs> whatever. You know what I mean? So self love is taking radical responsibility for your own stuff. Self love is nurturing from the inside out. There's two ways to live this game called life. Yeah. Two ways the inside out game and the outside in game. So if I keep looking outside myself for validation, approval, attention, affection, all the things that I keep looking for outside myself, I will always feel not enough. I will almost always feel like I'm not getting what I want and I'm, I'm unfulfilled. Right. But if I start to play the inside out game and I give myself all the things that I need, so then all the stuff that does come external is carry on top cherry on love that. so taking radical responsibility for yourself all of you all aspects of you your anger your rage your tears your joy your happiness your passion your 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 hobbies your quirks like i do weird shit i do i'm a weird person <laughs> like i only write with pencil weird like i don't like to write with pens i actually prefer pencils yeah right i don't like to eat with a spoon like ice cream I eat it with a fork, like weird stuff, but I'm okay with that. Like I used to judge myself, like what's wrong with me? Why do I do these weird, I don't know. I'm okay with that. Like I've taken responsibility for this is who I am. And, and, and here's the power move. If you don't like who you are, change it. Yes. Yeah. With this. Oh, I'm a Leo. I'm just, no, don't blame your sign or your birth (laughs) or your, don't blame your religion. Don't blame anything outside yourself for being a jerk or a bitch or what, however you're showing up. Mm-hmm. I had someone actually say that. Well, I'm just like that because I'm a Leo. Do you like being, now that's a different, do you like being like that? That's okay. If you say, I, I approve of me, that's right. one thing. Right. Like, if I approve of me, then uh, that's different. But mm-hmm. if I don't like how I'm showing up in the world, if I don't like X, Y, Z about myself, I get to change it. Yeah. I get to design personal at Joe Dispenza, personality, personal reality. I love that. Yeah. Personal reality. You get to decide. No one else gets to decide, but you. 
And that's the joy in this game called life. Yeah. No one gave you, no one gave you rules. Manual. There's no manual, right? Exactly. (laughs) So. Yeah. So just a total side note. So do you have to eat it really quickly before it melts? Because you need a fork. No. 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 You just, you you just let it melt. Especially if there's like cake and ice cream, I have to have a, a fork. We, okay, well, that I actually understand. Yeah, <laughs> ice cream. Yeah, I a little bit of both. Yeah, I do weird things. Yeah. It's okay. They, 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 I was just curious. The, the curious part. That's that's my quirk. I'm curious about everything. I'm like, wait, but how does that actually work? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Well, sometimes okay. I also get the ice cream with the stuff in it, like like brownies or cooking. You know, uh, like that. Like, oh, this needs a fork. Well, that definitely needs a fork for sure. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> Anybody thinks that's wrong? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, this is amazing. Do you have like definitely tell everybody where they can find you? Do you have anything yes, you want to yes, add? Oh my gosh. Add or leave us with or oh my gosh. Well, first, thank you again for having me. This was so much fun. And I hope y'all who are listening uh, found some insight and value here. And if you want to find me, I'm always on Instagram. Always posting there, um, YouTube once in a while. Um, but really, Instagram is my, my biggest platform right now. And of course, you can always just reach out to me and shoot me a DM within Instagram as well if you want to just learn more or just connect more. You know, bottom line is I'm here to connect with other humans and, and help as best I can. My, my ultimate um, heart's calling is to be of service and whatever that might look like. And so, yeah, I would just love to connect with each and every single one of you who are listening right now. And I'm actually starting a women's group coaching program in September. So I don't know when this is going to be out in the world, Courtney. Um, But at the end of September, we're we're launching a group um, uh, space. So women coming together to support women in community. And of course, I will be leading and guiding breathwork and coaching facilities. Uh, or, or um, practices on the other end of it. And it's going to be so much fun. And I'm going to keep it very intimate because I don't want it to be a large, large group. And so if that's something you're like, wow, I'd love to experience that. Let's Again, let's get on a call and just have a conversation to see if it's a good fit. Because it's really about that energy, that synergy of like, yeah, I've got what you need. You got, you know, just it's, it's that juiciness that's really comes alive on those calls. So I'm excited for that. Uh, but yeah, there's all kinds of content on Instagram. That's probably the easiest way. It's super fun to just be able to deliver every day. So awesome. Well, I will post the link to your handle and yeah, uh, yeah, definitely everyone should go. She's got amazing content and definitely reach out if you're, I mean, the September, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that enrollment is open now. So try and jump in now if you're interested, because we're going to, you know, we're going to get started. And where would they connect with you on that? Would they? Instagram. They can just DM me, just direct message to my DM and say, um, women's group coaching, or just say, Hey, I met you on Courtney's podcast. Like, (laughs) however, I, I, I don't have someone else handling my stuff because I want it to be a personal experience. So you're not going to get some bot responding or some, you know, it's just, it'll be me. I love it. That's great thing to share that though, because with a lot of people you don't know. And I and that makes it a little like hesitant because you're like, I don't know if I want to be vulnerable and share. I don't know who I'm talking to on the other end. So so that's great that they know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with people. Some people do have assistance and whatnot. It's good for people to know that they're getting you. So that's the space and place where I check all of my messages. 
and I do my best to respond as soon as possible. And um, yeah, so just know that you're yeah. you're in you're in good hands. Yeah, you absolutely without a doubt. Well, thank yeah. you so much. Thank, thank you. you. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.